This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. A lot to bring you on this Friday show. We were supposed to do a show yesterday. Wednesday was a planned day off, but Thursday uh, didn't happen for technical reasons, namely this uh, laptop that I have my fancy editing equipment and all the stuff that I cut up highlights on. Uh, Well, the laptop is great. The power cord decided to go on the fritz, and so I kind of had no way to do the show. (laughs) Sorry about that. We ended up replaying the action from Wednesday night. We'll give you some highlights and also set up what's next week in Fort Worth for the women's basketball team is after Wednesday's action was complete. We knew the entire field for the American Athletic Conference tournament, one that the Bulls are hoping to win for a second tourney title in the last three years. We'll be in Fort Worth for all that action. The men finish up their season on Sunday, the regular season anyway. They got a win on Wednesday night featuring a notable moment at the end and Keyshawn Bryant having career night. We'll give you some of those highlights as well. And set up, yes, the possibility on how the Bulls can finish as the sixth-place team in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. It is not a far-fetched scenario, and we'll give that to you. We'll also give you some highlights from last night's softball win, the first of a span of five straight days where the Bulls will total six games. They got a big win against Kansas. We'll lay out the full schedule, not just for the softball team, but for the entire event that's going on at USF. Baseball returns home, and man, oh man, did it almost return home with a thrilling win. Instead, a heartbreaking ending to a big-time challenge against Florida State. The Bulls look to win the series against, guess what, another team with a good record. Not the national ranking, but Northeastern is 5-1, and one, so we'll fill you in on baseball as well. We'll also recap what happened with men's golf this week. Tennis teams in action this weekend, track and field news. Got to say, and I know we've been really enjoying being able to talk to the members of the track and field team, I sat down with the two members who have qualified for the national indoor meet yesterday, and unfortunately, operator error, I spoke with Romaine Beckford and Nia Robinson. We'll give you kind of a recap of what they said in our second segment, but the audio quality is just not that good because basically my fancy board that I had to set up to get you know their comments loud and clear, the same board we use for play-by-play, Uh, and they had headphones on. Well, the problem was I was set up to record not through the headphones. It was set up to record basically on the computer microphone, so it would have sounded... So definitely want to mention track and field, but the interviews that we were supposed to bring to you unfortunately will not happen. We will have more interviews to come as the outdoor season is about to begin. Again, no show yesterday, so we're going to give you some highlights from both basketball wins on Wednesday night, especially what happened in the first quarter at Cincinnati, and then we'll tell you the bracket for the women's basketball tournament. We'll give you the details on the other Wednesday action at the end of the hours. There's a lot that's gone on this week. We'll give you around the American then, but as far as the Bulls go, they went to Cincinnati and beat the Bearcats, and the player from Mason, Ohio, had a lot to do with it in the first quarter. The ball's down seven to three. Chinecki passes on a three. The shorter Jackson on her, so she should be able to take her. Now out to Puises, open three, looks good for my angle, knocks it down. Sammy Puises, four three, nation's leader in that category, makes it a seven six game. Uh-oh, Wilson open for three, looks good, and this, Caitlin Wilson, man. She is having her worst year, averages less than seven points per game. And yeah, you just heard Dulcie's got to get out there from Jose. She does help out on the other team's big three-point shooters. Now Puises with a quick answer attempt. Boom. Sammy Puises 
is in a rhythm. So their top three-point shooter knocks one down in the Bulls, and the nation's top three-point shooter knocks down her second, and we are tied at 12. Oh, Puises through two screens, knocks it down. Sammy Puises has gotten three open looks, all from different spots on the court, and she has knocked them all down, and it's 16 to 14 Bulls. She's got nine. Goes into the corner, gets cut off, out to Emma Johansson, hands it to Puises. Wilson can't close out, and Sammy knocks down another three, and their coach, Michelle Clark Hurd, rolls her eyes. Caitlin Wilson had the defense there and just sort of olayed it. And man, oh man. Did she pay for it? And that's a 4-3 in the first quarter for Sammy Puisis. It's 22 to 14. So Bulls up 22-16, 30 on the game clock, 20 on the shot clock. Danny Gonzalez out to Puisis, open from the right side. Boom! Five made threes for Sammy Puisis in the first quarter. And even the Cincinnati fans are looking at each other like, wow. That's the kind of show that we've got going on right now. It's 25 to 16. Before the game, we knew there were a couple of career milestones coming up. Dulce Fanka-Mengiadu needed five points to get to 1,500, and she kind of had an off night in this game as Cincinnati's interior defense was very strong. In fact, Fanka-Mengiadu, for the game, hit just one field goal, did score 10 points because she got to the line a lot, was 8 for 14. So on a night where one member of the Bulls' big three was not having her best outing, the other two were. Sammy Puises, speaking of milestones, I did note in my pre-game prep, that she had 967 career points, and maybe it wasn't out of the question that she could sniff getting to 1,000. And after that first quarter, absolutely it looked like that would be the case, but they sort of focused their defense on Sammy Puises in the second quarter. She went from 15 points to zero points, but the Bulls got six each from Elena Chinecki and Dulce Fankamengiadu, fourth the line. And valuably, the other six, the only other player to score, did so late in the half, and... Could this be a good sign going into postseason play? I think so. Chinecki looks for a quick answer. Out to Maria in the corner for three. Good. Great to see from Maria Alvarez. It has been a long while for her. Seven games in a row with no points until those three. And now the Bulls, if they want, can hold for one. But Jose says go with 20 seconds left in the quarter. Chinecki out to Maria for three. Boom. Maria Alvarez hadn't scored in quite a long time. She's got two back-to-back -back threes, and it's 43-25. You know, outside of the top three and an occasional scoring game from Carla Brito, the Bulls had only been getting reliable scoring of late from backup point guard Marina Asensio to the point where you almost forgot about Maria. And, yeah, she can be somebody that can go off and give you some big-time contributions from the bench. So let's hope that is the case. The Bulls led at halftime 43-25. to Puisis and Chinecki combined for 29 points. And Chinecki would end up going on to being named the Player of the Week already. Why? Yeah, because, well, the next major announcement, which is usually Player of the Week on Mondays, is going to be your conference Player of the Year. Meanwhile, Chinecki wrapped up the weekly honors with the third quarter, basically. Jackson, with Chinecki playing much better defense on her, gives it up to Williams. Turns, fires up a shot at the free throw line, no good, and Brito gets another rebound. Tied her career high, 11, with that rebound. 48-31 Bulls, we near the six-minute mark here in the third quarter. Puisis almost traveled. Williams made her hesitate. Hand off to Chinecki, and they don't double-team, and that is always going to end in a Chinecki drive to the hoop, and that's going to result in a timeout on the other side by Michelle Clark-Hurd. Now Chinecki. 
tries to drive the lane. Good defense by Maya Jackson. She's got the height advantage, and wow, the skill advantage too. Goes to her left, high and off the glass for a beautiful shot. Elena is eight for 11. She's got 20 points, and the lead is back up to 21. Oh, that is a nice block shot by Dulce on the jank strike. And now Asensio out to Chenecki for a wide open three. Good. Chenecki's got 23 points, and it's 57 to 33. Remember, this is the last game of the regular season, and it's going to come down to either her or Dulce for player of the year in the conference. And I'm telling you, if you're listening, American Athletic Conference, split up. They both deserve it. No doubt I stand by that statement. I don't know if it's something the American Athletic Conference has done, but they really should. They've done co-players of the week. I know that the player of the year is a bigger award. Chinecki definitely deserved it, as we mentioned. Dulce Fanka Mengiadu had a tough night for her, still ended up almost with a double-double. In fact, she was at eight points and nine rebounds when Carla Brito got fouled in kind of a iffy foul call, and her shot was missed, and Dulce had the uncontested rebound for a wide-open putback and would have got her right to 10-10, and 10, so she ended up settling for 10 points and nine rebounds. And because Michelle Clark heard the Bearcats coach who Frankly, back-to-back last-place finishes, and they're going to the Big 12. Might not have the best job security. She was trying to go out strong, so she put her starters back in in the fourth quarter when the Bulls had their bench in. And Jose Fernandez responded by reinserting his starters. That gave Chinecki five more points. She ended up with 28, just three shy of a career-high. Sammy Puises, after those 15 in the first quarter, ended up with 21, 7 for 11 on threes. Dulce Fankamengiade, we mentioned 10 to 9. Carla Brito... Only scored four points. She had a career-high tying 11 rebounds, 10 coming in the first half. And Marie Alvarez scored nine. The Bulls were 12 for 21 on three-point shots. They end up the regular season with an 85-55 win. And again, Chinecki was the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week. Conference tournament begins at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth on Monday. The first game will produce the first opponent for the Bulls. Number eight seed Wichita State against number nine Temple. Again, we'll end the hour with Around the American, give you more details on how the bracket came to be. But as far as the Bulls go, watch that game at 2 and know that we'll have the game on Tuesday, first of four quarterfinals at 1 o'clock, right here on USF Bulls Unlimited with the pregame beginning at 12.45. Again, the Bulls against the Temple Wichita winner. If they win that quarterfinal, they will play next Wednesday at 5 o'clock against the 4-5 game winner. That matchup is already set as the top five teams get a first-round bye. The 4-5 game is Houston against SMU. Indeed, Houston, the only team to beat the Bulls in conference play this year. The championship game is next Thursday at 9 o'clock. It's also the first day of the men's tournament. And thanks to what happened last night, the Bulls are in control of their own fate as far as lifting out of the 8-9 spot. They are in eighth place thanks to a three-game winning streak. They got some help on Thursday. We'll give you all the details, some highlights from the Wednesday win against Tulsa. And we'll transition into softball and baseball and tennis and golf and track and field as we continue along on Bulls Beat. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Almost had another full Wednesday on Wednesday with baseball. Boy, we'll get there in a second. Really challenging the number 16 team in the country, Florida State. Baseball's back at home this weekend. We'll set that up for you. But the women had an easy win, and so did the men. It was nice to see. The men finish up their regular season on senior night with a victory against Tulsa. No issues even with Russell Chiwa out of the game. The Bulls were more than strong enough to take down the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, who only have one conference victory. It was the Keyshawn Bryant show in this one. 72-56 was the final score. 
Halftime score was 35-20 Bulls. Tyler Harris just needed one three-point shot to break the single-season all-time record held by Yes, a man who is there and has the, well, one of the best names in all of USF athletics history, Derek Sharp. But Harris couldn't hit one until the very end. We'll get there in a second, but Keyshawn Bryant was hitting everything. Here's some of his ending of a fantastic career performance. Terrell Smith to Keyshawn Bryant, 10 on the shot clock. Keyshawn between the legs, elevates, fires a three. Got another one! Keyshawn Bryant's got 28. It's a career high. He has played amazing tonight. Unbelievable. Keyshawn Bryant with a 28-point game, five boards. He's been spectacular. He's 10 of 14 from the field. And he almost got a steal, Joey. And had he gotten that one on the breakaway, that would have been the exclamation point on the night because he might have ripped the whole goal standard down. I attended a NBA playoff game uh, in, the, in the 80s. Pistons at Hawks. Dominique Wilkins had 50 points with no dunks. This reminds me of that night for some reason. It's amazing because the dunk is his signature play all season long. 2.13 remaining to Sorrell Smith. They're going to try and trap him. He finds Jameer Chaplin. Here's Keyshawn Bryant around one man. He's going to the basket. Finger roll good. He's got 30. And he had notions of trying to dunk that until the defender got in his way. He really, really wants to throw one down. Uh, He's really having a good time. I just, I just love to see the smile on his face. He's looking like a little kid on, at the playground, just, just having a ball, and I, I know he's thrilled with the senior night he's putting forth tonight. Now, Joey Johnson has a little bit of sense of history, and he actually put up, I forgot about this, or maybe he never even knew it, a nice anecdote towards the end, how he attended, Joey Johnson, not Keyshawn Bryant, attended an NBA playoff game where Dominique Wilkins, what is he known for, human highlight reel, scored 50 points without a dunk. If you'd have told me Keyshawn Bryant would score a career-high 30 points and have no dunks in there, I would have said, wow, he can shoot the ball too, and he sure as heck did. That's exactly what happened. He, not for lack of trying, did not get off a dunk there at the end, but ended up in this game. Off the bench, mind you, in just 23 minutes, 11 for 15 from the floor, 4 of 7. I think it's a lefty thing, but his stroke looked really good. Corey Walker had a career-high 12 rebounds. Again, no Russ Chiwa in this one. And so could Tyler Harris just make one three-pointer? Yes, it's all he needed, and he got it at the very end. Tyler for three, launches too strong. And the fight for the rebound, controlled by Keyshawn Bryant. Now Harris is going to load up another three. There it is, with a minute four to go. It took him 38 minutes and 56 seconds, and Tyler Harris has the record by himself. I love the fact that Keyshawn Bryant got the rebound and put it right back in Tyler's hands. That led to finally those two seniors getting the send-off and then at the very end, the final minute, the appearance of Marcaia and Kinu Lewis-Saint. We were hoping that Kinu could get a bucket there, tried a shot, does not have a career point playing this one season. The kid from Tampa Bay Tech, of course, there's still games to come. Bulls play at Wichita State this weekend. They win this one on Wednesday night by the count of 72-56. to 56. Now. We've been talking about it for a while. If you're going to finish in the 8-9 spot, that means you got to play Houston if you win your first game right there in the quarterfinals. You'd probably prefer, I don't know about you, but I think anybody would prefer not having to play the number one team in the country until as late as possible in the conference tournament. So that means you got to get out of the 8-9 game. The Bulls now have control of that, thanks to two results on Thursday night. They needed Wichita to lose to Houston. That was not the big drama. The big drama was could UCF, who the Bulls have the head-to-head -head on and are now tied with, lose at Temple. 
and they did, but man, was it touch and go. It looked like the Owls were going to win easily. They were up 11. UCF went on a run, took the lead with three and a half minutes to go. It went back and forth. UCF scored with eight seconds left, but then they fouled Damian Dunn with two seconds left. Great free throw shooter. He's going to make them both. Makes the first tie game, misses the second, but Nick Jordan gets the rebound, puts it back, and the Owls beat UCF last night in Philadelphia, 57-55. So the main point about that is it gives the Bulls control of their fate as far as getting out of that 8-9 spot. Had UCF won, the Bulls would have had to beat Wichita and have UCF get beat on Sunday, and the Knights are hosting East Carolina. That game also has a lot to do with the Bulls either being the 6th or the 7th seed, but they got to win first. If the Bulls win at Wichita, a team that came back in Tampa, remember the Bulls had that stretch of three games in conference play where they had a double-digit lead in the second half, including at Memphis. This was at home against Wichita where the Bulls were up 14 in the second half and by double digits still at the midway point before not closing the deal. So maybe a little bit of revenge, but really more about the seeding situation on Sunday. If the Bulls win, they will at worst be the seventh seed. I mentioned that other game will impact it. The only way for the Bulls to get to the sixth seed is for there to be a three-way tie for sixth place with the Bulls, obviously Wichita State, and UCF. Because if it's a two-way tie for six between the Bulls and Wichita, the Shockers get that tiebreaker. They knocked off a higher-seeded team, namely Tulane. So in the Bulls beat Wichita scenario, the Bulls want UCF to beat East Carolina, creating the three-way tie, and the Bulls would actually get the sixth seed. If the Bulls win on Sunday and UCF loses, then actually the Bulls would be in the seventh spot. This is going to be like, you know, the last day of qualifying in a World Cup group where two games are going on at once. They both start at 2 o'clock on Sunday, and the results impact one another because in one scenario, you want UCF to win for the sixth seed, but in another scenario, namely you're getting beat by Wichita, if the Bulls do lose, they need UCF to lose. It would be a two-way tie for seventh, and the Bulls have the head-to-head. Then again, oh yes, let's throw this in here. You know what they say about assuming East Carolina, which I might have forgotten, has a makeup game with Tulane tonight. East Carolina, if it wins that game, would have the same record as the Bulls and UCF going into Sunday, and now the Pirates could actually jump into the seventh spot. So, Yes, you assume that Tulane, which is hosting the Pirates tonight, is going to win that game. But if East Carolina pulls the upset, then the Bulls definitely have to win on Sunday to stay out of the 8-9 range because a loss would drop the Bulls to 7-11 and and the East Carolina UCF winner would be 8-10. and Would put them 7th and the Bulls would be in the 8th position. So long story short, definitely pull for Tulane to beat East Carolina tonight. And then, of course, for the Bulls on Sunday to wrap up the regular season with a fourth straight win, they would be a game below 500 overall heading to Fort Worth next week. Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston will have the call Sunday. Their pregame starts from Wichita at 1.30. Thursday on USF Bulls Unlimited, the softball team defeated Kansas in a thriller 4-2. The Jayhawks came to town 10-5. and They had played in three separate traveling events and put together some nice wins they took two from nc state a team that by the way fired their head coach on thursday i guess a five and ten start with the Wolfpack is not good enough also beat Ole miss in there so this is a kansas team that had a couple of very talented hitters mix in some freshmen and a very deep pitching staff and wasn't going to be intimidated with an early deficit they had come back to win some high scoring games earlier this year so they did face an early deficit the bulls had four hits in the 
first inning, but because Emily Hanlon, who led it off with the single, got thrown out trying to steal, three hits wasn't going to be enough because they needed that fourth to take the lead, and they got it. Trying to have something to show for it. Change up, and they will have something to show for it. One run will score. They're going to send Humplick, and she makes it two to nothing. Marissa Tribal Peace with another big hit. And the Bulls get their deserved lead. Tribal Peace, who had the grand slam against Michigan State on Saturday, gets another big hit for the Bulls. Then Peyton Dixon, who has been their basically series opening type starter, started the season pitching well against Michigan, got into some jams. This is a good Kansas team, as I said. And there would be some double plays in this game, but let's not overlook a play that nearly became a grand slam. And instead, hey, no problem, still 2 nothing. Ken Erickson takes a step out of the dugout and gives it an extra little clap like, let's go, you got this. I think they wanted to really challenge Espy here. Only one career homer, this is her second season. Oh, oh, shouldn't have said that deep, but I think it's going to hold it well. My goodness, did Shayna Espy must have heard me she uncorked one right there and Emily Hanlon catches it right at the track that is a big time leave them loaded for the Jayhawks and you'll keep the lead but just barely because of dangerous moments like that you figured that two to nothing was not going to be enough in this game the Bulls went down quickly in the bottom of the second and they were right back at it the Jayhawks putting two runners on in this case and the defense would come up with some plays now on this night. In this case, Dixon helping herself. And takes a fastball right down the heart for strike two. Big pitch coming up here. Lindup does not have a home run. He's batting 400 as we speak. Hits it right to Peyton Dixon on a high bounce, and she throws over with a little extra oomph. And, boy, the Kansas Jayhawks are getting runners on, but Peyton Dixon continues to get out of it. They have stranded now six runners through three innings. Of play. We head to the bottom of the third with the Bulls still on top of Kansas by the score of two to nothing. However, it was kind of a matter of time before Kansas scored. Ashlyn Anderson, who has now two dozen career home runs senior, hits one to start off the fourth, and it's two to one. And then boy did it ever look like the Jayhawks were going to tie the score at least. A single, then a bunt that got bungled by the Bulls had runners on the corners. They intentionally walked leadoff hitter to load the bases. Then a much-needed strikeout before this enormous play keeps the Bulls on top. Now full count. Got to get it over. And it's hard. Right to the shortstop. Tribal piece to Piera for one. Double play! That was a great bit of deja vu. Three times tonight. Savannah De Roche has hit it right to Marissa Tribal piece. The first time it almost was a double play, by the way. The second two times it was a double play. But two to one was just not going to be enough. So the Bulls, thankfully, in the next half inning, just so happened to score a couple runs. Ryan Eigeman, who just swings such a potent looking bat, got rewarded for a great at bat, a 2 2 single through the left side. Then Kathy Garcia, perfect sack bunt. Jordan Cadlib had a big play, beating out an infield hit to put runners on the corners. And then Ken Erickson, master string puller, right? Emily Hanlon at the top of the order was two for two and was hitting 400 after those two base hits. So what happens when she comes up with first and third and one out? Pinch hit for her. Alyssa Reno gets the job done and so does the next hitter. Here's how that sounded. Oh, Reno is gonna add there, drills it to right field. That should get the run home. 
Squeezed by Lindoff, who's on her back foot. Decent throw, but Eichmann scores. And it is three to one. And Bryant rips that one down the left field line. Her hot hitting continues. Easy RBI. And is it going to be three? Oh, no. She gets thrown out. But you know what? You'll take the production. You will take the RBI double. And the Bulls put up a pair. And man, what a season. The reigning American Athletic Conference weekly honor rollee. Hallie Bryant continues to have. She absolutely torched that pitch down the left field line, and the Bulls extend their lead as a result. Definitely needed that insurance because Kansas got one right back on a Lyric Moore. She's their catcher inside the park homer. Megan Sheehan tried to make a sliding play in right field. It got to the wall, and Lyric Moore. This had to be the matchup of the two speediest catchers in the country as far as in one game got the inside the parker. Antoinette Hill was pitching at that time for Peyton Dixon. She would not give up a run the rest of the way, but she almost did as we flash it forward to the seventh and Lyric Moore again with the runner on in a 4-2 game. Lyric Moore, two for three tonight. Uh-oh, high and deep to right field. Lystel going back. Oh, what a catch at the wall. And there's two away. Man, did Lyric put a charge into that one. The other way, and Bailey Lystel, a late defensive replacement, runs it down and catches it at the top of the wall. That was big, and the Bulls get the win. Kansas was 10-5. and five. Lots of softball this weekend. By the way, Peyton Dixon came on to get the final out for that win as the Bulls get to 7-9. and nine. They will look to get to 500, maybe above it this weekend. They're going to have some chances. They're going to play a game each of the next three days, actually into Monday, make it four days in a row, and then they'll get a doubleheader next Tuesday. Of the opponents across the next five days, there's only one with a winning record, and that's going to be interesting because South Carolina Upstate comes to town 15-0. They haven't played any ranked opponents. All their games were at home. It's going to be interesting to watch them. They'll actually play Kansas on Friday afternoon. The Bulls on Friday and Saturday play the last of a five-game day. So they're both scheduled to be 7 o'clock games, but something tells me it could start later. Who knows, if it starts late enough on Friday, we may be able to bring you the USF Rhode Island game. The Rams, whereas every team has played three full weekends, have only played one weekend. They went one and four. Bulls have never lost to them. And then on Saturday, we will have the action of the Bulls and South Carolina Upstate. Maybe they won't be undefeated anymore, but either way, that should be a fun one. Sunday, the Bulls go up against Northern Illinois, which comes to town 3-7. and seven. And then Monday, Army, a team that the Bulls have never lost to. So a real chance to get that record looking better. The Bulls were just 2-7 and seven through the first couple of weekends, but have now won three in a row to get to 7-9. and nine. Baseball, oh man, what a tough loss on Wednesday in Tallahassee. 13 innings, and that doesn't even begin to tell the story of the defeat. The Bulls were down 3 nothing very early, a.k.a. the first inning, before battling back to tie it on a couple of occasions. John Montez got things going with the homer in the fifth inning, and the Bulls would tie it in the sixth on the first of two RBI ground outs for Nelson Rivera. The second one indeed would tie it in the eighth inning. Flash forward to the 13th. Well, let's not quite do that. Let's go ahead and mention what Boogie Brown did out of the bullpen with three sensational innings, struck out six only gave up one hit and threw 38 pitches in those three innings. Then here comes the 13th. The Bulls break through. Looked like they were going to win. Travis Sankovich, a double. Ben Rosenblum, perfect sack bunt. Jackson Mayo lines one to right. 
Bulls are up by the score of 5-4. to four. Then Daniel Cantu rips one to right field for a 6-4 lead. With one out, a bloop triple. Drew Brutcher almost makes the catch in right field, but instead it's a one-run game. In comes Caleb Punsack, gets a strikeout on three and two. One more out is all he needed to get, and it looked like he did. As Nander DeSedis, a transfer from Missouri, golfs one into left field. If you watched it, and I retweeted it, he threw the bat down, put his head down, thought he had just flown out to end the game. Instead, Bobby Bozer sprinting from shortstop, just can't hang on to the ball. They call it a two-run double. We call it a heartbreaking loss for the Bulls. So... After beating the Gators on the road last Wednesday, they were right there with Florida State. However, instead, they drop a second extra inning game, the other being to FAU. That's why they're 3-6. and six. They'll have to sweep Northeastern to get to 500. Northeastern is 5-1, and one, picked to finish second in the Colonial, leading that conference in batting average with a 325 mark and 14 home runs. They won their opening series at NC Greensboro and then swept Indiana State at home last weekend scoring a total of 32 runs so Bulls will go with a different look in the pitching rotation as it'll be Hunter Mink continuing to get the start but Jackson Cothran the Memphis transfer will go second followed by Jack Siebert Nolan Hootie was in the two spot he actually started against Florida State so I'll have the calls for you tonight Saturday afternoon pregame 145 no broadcast on Sunday it is going to be a little different this year we will not have all the baseball games for you we won't be going to Long Beach next week for example but we'll definitely cover them for you here on Bulls Beat and do as many broadcasts as we can, both baseball and softball. Again, the only softball broadcast we'll have for you is this Saturday night. Track and field competing at UT this weekend. I had a chance again to talk to Romaine Beckford and Nia Robinson. They'll be in the indoor national meet next week in Albuquerque. We'll share you some of their insights next week here on the program. Beckford, no surprise, was named the indoor field performer of the week by the conference as he set the conference mark in the high jump at the conference meet. Sierra Berry of women's tennis was the women's tennis player. The week she went 2-0, had a big-time win as the Bulls came back to beat Northwestern last weekend. Now to try and go above 500 and probably get themselves into the national rankings against two winning teams. Friday at noon, the women's squad hosts 7-3 Louisiana Tech. And then Sunday at noon, it's the Toledo Rockets who are 7-2 on the season. And sailing gets going this weekend at an event, so stop me when you've heard this before. We are going to have another busy Bulls beat. We'll know what the men's basketball bracket looks like, a full weekend of baseball and softball. As you just heard, tennis and sailing. By the way, the men's golf team finished ninth in that event out in Las Vegas out of 15-team Steve Bradley squad. Still looking for that first breakthrough of the spring. That'll wrap up the Friday busy Bulls beat. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp. Horns up.